Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Prince in God, in the sense that Jacob will now find all of his strength, all of his direction, all of his protection, all of his comfort, everything in God. And the same is true of us, as stated in John 15, 5, I am the vine, the Lord Jesus said. You are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So Jacob was a prince with God, a prince alongside God, a prince of God, a prince for God, and a prince in God. Now, that's looking at it from God's perspective. Okay, I knight you. Sir Israel, you know, prince with God. Okay. Now we can look at the name of Israel with a different meaning, which is also born out, a different meaning from what God said, from God's point of view, he says that. And now we can look with a new position. Okay, now we can take a look, another way to look at the name of Israel. That's from what Jacob said, or from Jacob's point of view, which is how Jacob sees God. Jacob said what his great experience was there in, in uh, verse 30. The great experience, he said, I have seen God face to face. That's a great experience. I have seen God face to face. So what Jacob was struck with in this place was that he saw God. And with that in mind, there's an alternate meaning for the word Israel, which would break down the name in a little bit of a different way. See, is could stand for ish, which means man. And ra, uh, which mean, that means in Hebrew, saw, and el means God. So is, ra, el, means man saw God. So, so I, e, sar, el, uh, that, that means prince with God, that's from God's perspective, but is, ra, el, is Jacob stating the wonder of it all that happened to him. See, this was a life-changing experience for Jacob when he saw God. He saw God. We see God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. Same is true for us. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts, not in our eyes, shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, this last week, I, I think I told you this, the, the story. I believe I did. I don't remember. But anyway, I, I think I told you that years ago, maybe eight years ago, my friend John and I from work, we were in Heathrow Airport coming back from Ethiopia. And so I was sitting there, and there was this Orthodox rabbi sitting all alone eating potato chips, you know, all alone. 
Anyway, and so I looked over at him and I said, John, I'm going to go talk to him. And John says to me, you sure you want to do that? <laughs> I said, yeah, I really do, you know. So the way in Jewish culture, the way you kind of sort of like, there's, there's two ways you get to know somebody in, in Jewish culture. You either joke with them or argue with them, you know, one of the two. <laughs> and so, okay, I'm not going to go argue with them. So I, I go up in a very Talmudic, you know, Talmud means it's, it's, it's like I'm a student, you know, very Talmudic way. Go over there and say, excuse me, Rabbi, you know, and he gives me this very, you know, rabbi position of, yes, my son, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, I say to him, very serious face, I say, a question, you know, and he goes, are those potato chips bacon flavored? <laughs> but I didn't laugh. I kept a solid face, you know, very sincere, pious, you know. And um, he's thinking about it. <laughs> he says, Bacon flavored, <laughs> and then I couldn't stop from laughing, you know. So <laughs> we became the best of friends. You know, we talked for many hours, about seven hours, and on the trip back to New York. And anyway, so last week I don't remember. No, it was about a month ago. He is um, has a, a position in a high school in Mir Sharim. Mir Sharim is the ultra orthodox area of Jerusalem. You drive there on Saturday, don't expect to have windshield left on your car. Um, anyway, so. I called him there and we talked about the Lord Jesus as we've done on the plane. And anyway, and then he called me last week and said he was in town. And so I drove up there to LA and spent five hours talking with him. And it was great. And we had a, we had a wonderful time together. I got a picture of him smiling, which I kind of like, you know. So, <laughs> you know, it's uh, one of the rare things. You know. But uh, I don't know if you can see him or not. You know, see him? There he is. <laughs> smiling, you know. This is one of the rare times. Actually, I had to coach him. I said, smile, smile, you know, because we, we were not having a smiling conversation. But anyway, he kept asking me, kept looking at me and asking me, so what happened to you that convinced you about Jesus? You had some kind of experience. You were 19. And that's why you believe what I can't, you didn't learn anything about Judaism. What makes you so sure? He kept asking that. What makes you so sure? All I could tell him is that without eyes, I saw God. Without eyes, I saw God in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without, God, without eyes, I continue to see God in Jesus. And when you see the Lord Jesus Christ, God comes in, religion goes out the window. And he kept saying to me, you saw God? He kept saying like that. You saw God? No one can see God and live. And I said, yes, without eyes, I saw God in Jesus. And I got eternal life when I did. Like Jacob, I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. So Jacob says something amazing here in verse 30 when he says, I've seen God face to face and life is preserved. I mean, first, you got to see here, Jacob is clearly saying, I have seen God face to face. There's no doubt what he's saying here. He said, I saw God directly. I'm not talking about anybody in between. I'm not talking about an intermediary. I saw him directly without anyone in between. Jacob, Jacob said that. He's not the only one in the Bible who said that. Who else in the Bible said, said he saw God, they saw God? Paul, yes, Paul. Thinking about the Old Testament. Moses, for sure. Who else? Yes, Clinton. Manoah, Manoah right. Samson's father, absolutely. Who else? Abraham says, stood yet before the Lord. That's true. Who else? Adam saw God for sure. (laughs) Is that what you said, Bill? (laughs) All right, who else? Anybody else? Isaiah saw God. 
Isaiah saw God. Anybody else? Yes, Clinton? And who else in addition? 70 elders. That's right. That's in Exodus 24, 9. It says, Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. It says that clearly. It describes him. And then it says in verse 11, Also they saw God. And in speaking about Moses in Deuteronomy 34, 10, it says, There arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Face to face. Manoah, Isaac, you're thinking about uh, the altar. Yeah, the angel that said, hey, don't Okay, Manoah, as you said, Clinton, it says, Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die. We've seen God. He, he didn't have a good, <laughs> he didn't think it was going to be a good output, you know, <laughs> outcome there. <laughs> All right, but, uh, but there was another one who said he saw God. You haven't mentioned him yet, Micaiah. Micaiah the prophet in 1 Kings twenty two nineteen, And he said, hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by him. Isaiah the prophet, as you mentioned, Gene, in the year the king, Isaiah 6, 1, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Jacob sees God face to face. Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, 70 elders, Manoah, Hannah, Micaiah, Isaiah, they all saw God. They all saw God. But this rage is a huge problem. This raises a huge problem because it clearly says, which was the rabbi was saying to me in Exodus 33, 20, Exodus 32, 20, and he said, thou canst not see my face, God speaking, for there shall no man see me and live. Huh? Paul said in 1 Timothy 6, 16, speaking about God, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see. Huh? The Lord Jesus Christ said in John 1.18, no man has seen God at any time. Huh? Paul said, uh, John, Apostle John said in 1 John 4.12, no man has seen God at any time. I don't get it. It's very clear no one can see God at any time and live. Yet Jacob said he saw God face to face and 78 other people saw God. So what's the explanation? Manoah gives us the explanation when he explains in Judges 13. 8 through 9, Manoah entreated the Lord and said unto my, O my Lord, let the man of God, to which you descend, come again to us. So he's calling him the man of God. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman. And then it goes on in verse 21 to say, but the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah, and then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord, and then he said to his wife, we're going to die because we've seen God. So Manoah tells us that he saw this special man of God. Then he understood he was an angel of God. And then he knew exactly this was God himself. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ said about himself. In John 14, 9, when he said, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that's seen me has seen the Father. How saith thou then, show us the Father? John 1, 18, he said this, No man has seen God at any time. But then he went on. The only begotten which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him, or in the Greek word is unfolded him. So why is it that to see the Lord Jesus Christ is to see God? Because of what's stated in Colossians 1.15. He is the image of the invisible God. In Philippians 2.6, who being in the form of God, 
thought it not robbery to be equal with God, in Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image, the perfect image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, and John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, that's the Lord Jesus, the word was with God, the word was God. So he's with God, he is God, he is God, he's God's angel or messenger to man. It shows that the Lord Jesus Christ can be titled, he can be titled, he is the God of revelation. He appears as an angel, he appears as a man. So Jacob saw the Lord Jesus Christ along with the others face to face, and two things happened. As it says in verse 30, he called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face, my life is preserved. When Jacob saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he saw God first, but then he said, my life was preserved. Not just his life on earth, his eternal life was preserved. Now keep in mind those two wonderful things that happened to Jacob when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw God and his life was preserved, his eternal life was preserved. As I read to you what the Lord Jesus Christ said about himself in John 12, 45, he that seeth me seeth the Father, him that sent me. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I have seen God, Genesis 32, 30. I have seen God face to face. Now, John 6, 40. This is the will of him that sent me. This is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last, uh, at the last day. Genesis 32, 30. I have seen God. My life is preserved John 17, 3, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Genesis 32, 30, I have seen God, my life is preserved. That's eternal life. The Lord Jesus Christ, he wants to reveal God to every person, but to, uh, and this invitation to reveal is given to us in Matthew eleven twenty seven, where he says, all things are delivered unto me, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me. That's the next verse. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, you'll find rest to your souls. To come to the Lord Jesus is to have God revealed. To come to the Lord Jesus is to experience rest by having God revealed. Now, just in case this chapter was not shocking enough, now we see Jacob stepping forward in verse 29, and it says, Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. He said, wherefore is he asked my name? Jacob is asking a question of what this God-man's name is. He's felt that after all night of fight, okay, in very Jewish manner, he's really gotten on good terms with them. <laughs> After all, that's how you get on good terms. And so now he comes with, with this sort of boldness. By the way, in Jewish culture, it's, called, it's a controlled fight. You don't cross the line of nastiness. Only trouble is nobody really knows where that is. <laughs> anyway, so he's just had this fight with God, and now he feels bonded closer, so he moves in with this question. It's real chutzpah here. It's very bold of him. It's the chutzpah of faith. There's two verses that we have the chutzpah of faith, and that's the one I mentioned. In Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. And Hebrews 10.19, having therefore boldness, brethren, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So Jacob is thinking, well, if I'm a prince of God, then I can come boldly. After all, a prince can come boldly. He's not just anybody, he's a prince. So this is a second change. 
Here's the second change in the night. Remember, the first change was Jacob the fighter became Jacob the clinger. Now we see Jacob's change. Now he's got a, first he goes, he starts off, I got a great interest. You got to deliver me from Esau. That's what was on his mind. Now he's changed. I, forget about that. I got a greater interest. My interest is in you, God. And he wants to know more about him. You got the blessing. Isn't that enough? No, it's not. Now, now the desire of my heart has changed from wanting from the blessing to the blesser. So God responds to Jacob with a question. He says, why do you want him to know my name? Now, he, he doesn't tell Jacob his name. Why? Why not? I mean, isn't there a promise in James 1.5 that says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and he would give it to all men liberally, upbraid them, don't make you feel foolish, and it shall be given him. So why didn't God reveal to Jacob his name was the Lord Jesus Christ? Jacob wasn't the only one to ask God's name after seeing him. That was Manoah also. In Judges 13.17, Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, what is thy name? That thy sayings may come true, be, do the honor. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why askest thou after my name? It's a secret. I mean, it's a secret. So Manoah walked into this experience, as we've seen, learning step by step. Step one, Judges 13, 11. Manoah arose when I was his wife, Art thou the man that spakest unto the woman? Step one. And he said, I am. He sees him as a man. Step two. Judges 13, 16, the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, though thou detain me, I'll not eat bread. And Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. Step two, he sees him as more than a man. Step three, in Judges 13, 22, Manoah said unto his wife, we shall die because we've seen God. Step three, Manoah sees him as God. Manoah on his own came to see this person first as a man, then as an angel, more than a man, and then as God. Those were the three steps of his personal discovery, his personal revelation that came to Manoah. Manoah was not told that the name of the person was God. Manoah had to discover it by revelation for himself, and that's why he wasn't told the name. That's exactly what happens to each one of us. We come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Step one, he's a man. Step two, he's more than a man. He's like an angel. Step three, he's God. That's why Manoah wasn't told his name. That's why Jacob wasn't told his name. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ did not answer John the Baptist straightly in Luke 7, 19, when John called his disciples, sent him to Jesus, and say, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And the men were coming to him. They said, you know, John the Baptist sent us and, and with this question. And then he said, well, go back and tell him that you're seeing many people be cured, the plagues, the evil spirits are gone, the blind are getting a sight. And he told them that, and they went back. And we can imagine, you know, John the Baptist saying, why doesn't he just tell me his name? Just tell me straightly who he is. It's because finding out who the Lord Jesus comes from a personal discovery from the revelation of God. That's why the Lord Jesus monitored where his disciples were in this three-step process. In Matthew 16, 13, when the Jesus came into these coasts of Philip, uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciple, whom do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. You know, then, they, then he said, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter steps right up. No question about it. You are the Messiah. You're God the Son. And then he says, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, not even your flesh and blood but my Father which is in heaven. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ put that question to Pilate when he was asked, are you the king of the Jews? 
In John 18, 33, then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto them, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? See, what was he saying when he said, Sayest thou this thing of thyself? He was asking Pilate, Have you made this a personal discovery yourself, that I'm the king of the Jews? Has it been revealed to you personally that I'm the king of the Jews? See, coming to the end of step three in this personal uh, discovery road that he is God, that's a revelation. That's why the great chapter 53 of Isaiah that tells who the Lord Jesus Christ is out starts off with this question to every person. Who has believed our report? No, no, no. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Which individual person believes this report of who the Lord Jesus is? And to which individual person has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Your arm, just think about your arm. Your arm is what you reach with. Your arm is an extension of you. You extend your arm to touch a person. When someone is drowning, you reach out your arm to save him. When someone needs support, you reach out your arm to support him. That's why the Lord Jesus is wonderfully called in Isaiah 53, the arm of the Lord Like an arm, he's the extension of God to reach man. Like an arm, he's the extension of God to touch lost man. Like an arm, he reaches out and he saves lost man. But the fact that he is God's arm reaching out as God to man is salvation, that's a matter of revelation. And so the great question that stands as a searchlight on top of the mountain of Isaiah 53 is, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So during that five-hour talk with the rabbi, he kept asking me, how do you know this about Jesus? And I told him, because it's been revealed to me. He said, what? (laughs) And I said, okay, let's say I brought you to a beautiful place called the Grand Canyon. He said, no, 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 make it San Maritz in Switzerland. Okay, that's San Maritz in Switzerland. (laughs) And I said to you, just picture beautiful San Maritz. I I bring you there. He smiles. (laughs) He he likes San Maritz. And I show you the beauty of San Maritz. But you're blind, and you can't see. But I say, okay, never mind. Look, just turn over here. Look at this beautiful blue water of the Lake of Samaritz. And you say, I can't see it. And I, say, I get frustrated. I say, okay, 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 just turn over here. Look at those stunning rugged rocks of the mountain of Samaritz and how they beautifully blend in with the Alps. Isn't that breathtaking? And, and you say, I can't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. And I look at him and I say, oh, I forgot. Of course you can't see it. You're blind. We're all blind. We're blind to who the Lord Jesus Christ is until God reveals him to us. As it says, 2 Corinthians 4.4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ is the image of God should shine unto them. And I took one of the pillows sitting on a couch, took one of the pillows, put it over my eyes. I said to the rabbi, I said, you can't see because there's a veil over your eyes. But if you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and took the pillow away, then you'll be able to see as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.13. Not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. For even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it, their heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. That's why the name was not given. And that's why it has to be revealed Okay, let's uh, pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for all you did for Jacob, and thank you for preserving the record of it for us so that we can learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen.
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E. Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Starting September 25th, join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. On opening day, September 25th, we'll have Phil's Barbecue with special guest musician Jim Earp. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. <laughs> 